Hey, this is Welby Pierce. I'm the lead pastor of Hope Rising Church. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope it inspires you, hope it builds your faith, and hope it gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. I hope you enjoy the message. didn't sign up for this single life of singleness your christian mingle profile remains mingleless you deserve an ever after happily but you better hurry up you're already 23 cooking for one started out fun but now you're over it your Friday nights are filled with Instagram and Netflix. Are you still watching? Of course I'm still watching. Ugh, is this the way it has to be? I just want someone to watch Stranger Things with me. But then it happens, your eyes meet. Is this the one that you've dreamed of in your dreams? Sunshine and butterflies and everything's perfect For the first two years then Money gets tight and you find out she has an angry dance He says goodbye to skinny jeans, hello to sweatpants Maybe a baby will bring you closer together Nope, that didn't work, the struggle is still real wanted happy ever after but you got a raw deal it's harder than you thought to fall in love every day but you better get it figured out surprise another's on the way a little dose of reality huh Pretty good. How's everybody doing? You doing all right? Awesome. I hope you're enjoying the day. Uh, I, I like the colder weather, though. I wish it was just a slightly bit colder. Anybody? A little colder? Anybody? Bueller? Anybody? Hannah. Hey, so good. Uh, wanted to start uh, this this message off of that video clip because uh, it just really pictured really what reality kind of is. Some. Um, in our lives, and uh, so we're going to dive into relationships today, but before we do, uh, I want to make sure that you know of a couple things. One is this, is uh, our groups start today. This week, they're starting this week, man. Let's go. Even our even our tech crew in the back is excited about groups, and uh, and so man, we we just hey, we love doing life together. And if you've not signed up for a group, we want to encourage you to do that. Uh, you can do that at the Next Steps booth uh, as you walk out today. You can do it uh, as well on your on your phone. Uh, we actually accept Android devices also, uh, but iPhones, Android devices, uh, whatever it may be. And so we want you to be able uh, to really experience and do life together because this is really where you begin to find freedom and begin to see just God do amazing things in your life. And so uh, if I haven't got a chance to meet you, my wife and I would love to be able to meet you uh, after service. We'll be at the next steps booth. Uh, make your way there. But also, uh, man, I, sometimes you don't always get to hear some of the things that are going on. And I, I wanted to share something with you. Is it okay if I share something with you real quick? All right. All right, I got to find it real quick. Oh. Security, security. 
Security. Where'd it go? Did I? I, oh, I, I forgot to get prepared for that one. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Let's see. Hold on. Wait for it. Where's, oh, here it is. Perfect. All right. So, um, our kids each and every week, uh, not just mine, but yours, uh, go in uh, our kids' ministry and what, they get, what they're learning there about the love of God and what God's doing in their life. Uh, it's just so amazing. Uh, you may get to hear about it when you go home or you get in the car and you talk about maybe what they learned, but uh, one of our, our kids wrote this uh, a couple weeks ago. I wanted to be able to share this with you. Um, it says, Dear Jesus, I believe in you and I believe that you are God and that you came to earth and lived a perfect life. You, zoom in a little bit, you then died uh, on the cross to pay for the consequences of my sin. This is like a seven or an eight-year-old, somewhere in that range, um, writing this, FYI. Um, of my sin, I know I, have, I know I have many. Of course you do, you're eight. And so, and you, and you three days later rose from the dead, conquered death, and paid the price for my sins. Thank you, Jesus. Please forgive me for the wrong things I have done and be my Lord and Savior so that I may spend forever with you, uh, God, in heaven. I love you and thank you for loving me. Help me to know you better and to follow you all the days of my life. That's a kid. Come on, that's a product of some great parents and then also a great kids ministry, uh, what God's doing. And so uh, I just, when I got to see or hear about that story, story, I said, let me take a picture of that and share it um, uh, with the church. And so, uh, just awesome things going on. Well, hey, uh, last week, last week we talked about, we started this series called New You, New Relationships. Can you say that with me? New You, New Relationships. And we talked about last week how these negative scripts, how they get passed down to us from, from our past, and whether it's from parents or siblings, uh, and, and how we begin to process these negative scripts scripts and how we deal with them. And I want to encourage you, if you missed it, that you would go to, uh, go to our podcast and go listen to that. We have it on iTunes, Google Play. We've got it on Spotify. And this week, uh, we'll be putting it live on our website as well. So however you need to go get or check out our, our podcast, man, go do that. Make that a part of your uh, weekly routine. We'd love for not just to be with you on Sunday, but to go with you throughout the rest of the week. Amen? And so, uh, but if, if you haven't been around, we started the year off really focusing on you, focusing on having a healthy you. How many know it's a good idea to be healthy? Amen. All right. So it's a great idea to be healthy and to have a healthy you. And so this series is focusing on how to have healthy relationships with others, healthy relationships with others, because here's, here's the reality of it. Your life is deeply impacted by relationships you didn't choose. I mean, I mean, think about it. You didn't choose your parents, did you? No, you were stuck with them. You, you, didn't, you didn't choose your brother or your sister. No, it just happened that way. You didn't choose your neighbors. I mean, I wish you had some new neighbors. All right? Like, like you, did, you didn't choose your neighbors. They just were there. You, you didn't choose the school you went to. Maybe college you did. 
but but maybe may, may, may not. <laughs> but but you didn't go like you just wherever you lived is where you went to school, and your life is deeply impacted, and it's shaped by your past. And in fact, your current relationships are affected by past relationships. And if you don't deal with your past, it affects your present, and it affects your future. So this week, I want to focus not just on you and others. I want to focus on you and that significant other. You and that significant other. And, and here's the deal today is that we're coming at this from a lot of different angles today. We're coming at this with different back, backgrounds and experiences. We're coming at it from different races and cultures. Uh, some of us are happily married. Where are my happy married people at? Woo! Some of, some of us are just married. And uh, some of us are single, waiting for that significant other. All my single folk, woo! Come on, just look around. You might, have, you might have found a date, just saying. But the number, one, the number one issue that we deal with as pastors is relational issues. How people deal with people and marriages and relationships. And, and here's, here's why I believe we deal with this the most is because of this phrase, unmet expectations. Unmet expectations. Things didn't go like I thought they would. Have you ever said that before? I, I thought she would change. I thought that he would grow up. <laughs> we, we know that's, that's never happening. Um, I, I, thought, I thought she would accept me for who I am. I thought I would be married by now. I thought we still would be married. And what happens is, is we carry these expectations with us everywhere we go. And when they go unmet, there's friction that happens. There's anger that happens and frustration that goes on. For example, the way you were raised and the way your significant other was raised is probably two different ways, don't you think? Like when you get married, did you ever talk about who does the finances? Did you ever talk about, well, who's going to clean the house? Is it going to be her? Is it going to be you? Is it going to be both of us? I'm giving some of you the greatest premarital counseling that you could ever have. If you, if, you didn't, if you didn't take premarital counseling, it's okay. Just this is free now for you, okay? It's free. There's no charge. Uh, just sit here and enjoy it, all right? Um, who cooks? Because some, some families growing up, the dad cooks. and other families, the mom was the primary cook. So who cooks? Maybe the better question is, is who cleans up after you cook? Or are we just going to eat out all the time? I mean, what are we going to do, right? What, what are we going to do? Uh, who, who does the laundry? Who's going to fold the laundry, right? It's one thing for it to get into the washer and make its way into the dryer. But let's be real. Who really wants to fold and find the, the, the socks that don't match and put them together? Like nobody wants to, to do that. And so we have these unmet expectations, and if we don't talk about it, and we don't communicate about it, then we find ourselves frustrated and angry and mad. And it's in these un unmet expectations 
that, that these things are imposed upon us and they cause pain. I don't know about you, I don't like pain. And the deal, the deal is that there's cultural expectations. We, we live in a day and age where we have these expectations that we carry culturally and, and, and really in our culture, we're more cynical. We're more cynical about marriage than we've ever been before. It, it, it's a piece of paper. It's a contract. It's something that we went to the courthouse and, and took care of. And what happens is, is we treat marriage more as a contract more than it is a covenant. I remember, I remember uh, the very first wedding I ever performed. Um, I, I got called on short notice. The, the pastor uh, that was going to be uh, performing the marriage uh, was, uh, had a family emergency just two or three days before this couple was getting married. Uh, he had gone through all of the marriage pre, premarital counseling and all this stuff, been with them for like the last six months, just, just talking life and Jesus and all this stuff. And uh, a couple days before the wedding, uh, something happens with this family. He calls me, says, hey, can you fill in for me? Uh, I, I need your help. So I was like, cool, I'll, I'll feeling no big deal I'm like well at least the pressure's off this is my first wedding if I screw it up hey it's cool it's only been a couple of days of prep so I'll be all right and and so literally uh I, I meet them at the, re the rehearsal dinner the night before and uh life is great we get to the church the next day I'm getting ready to walk out with the groom and I'm talking like seconds before this guy is getting ready to hit the stage and say, I do. And all of that, we're at the door. I'm getting ready to open it. And he goes, well, I hope this is going to last. And I was like, I was like, really? In my head, I'm thinking, this is what we're going into? Like, I hope that this is going to last? Like, like, how long is this going to last? Like, like, bro, like, you should have already figured that out way before you're at the door, you know? I probably should have said, hey, if you need to go, I'll get in. I'll, we'll just, we won't say nothing, just go. And it'd be better if you leave now than if you go through with all of this. And so... Anyways, I uh, went through with it. Um, but we have these expect, cultural expectations that it's just, it's not really meaningful. It's just a piece of paper. It's all right, just, you know, we'll, we'll stay together for as long as it works. And when it doesn't, we'll, we'll, we'll splitsville, all right? And so uh, we have this culture also that's more ideal, uh, where there's this song called uh, Lower Your Expectations. And um, I, I want to... I want to uh, caution you to, this is not a good song I'm about to quote, okay? Um, but I just quoted parts of the song that actually I can quote from my microphone. Um, but there's this guy named Bo Barnum, and uh, I want to uh, help you here as I read some of this song. You want a guy that's sweet, a guy that's tough, a feminist who likes to pay for stuff, the kind of guy that gets along with your friends without being attracted to any of them. A good boy, a bad boy, a good, bad boy. A half good, half bad, half boy. Loves your brothers, is sensitive, but not weak. And is a great lover. Calls your mother on the weekend. You might think this guy only exists in your mind. And guess what? You're right. <laughs> and then it goes on and another, another part says, you want a girl that's nice. A girl that's not obsessed with her looks, but is insanely hot. The kind of girl that you can show to your folks and loves the movies you like and always laughs at your jokes. You might think this girl only exists in your mind, but she's real. But last week she died. 
lower your expectations, this song says, we live in a, in a, in a, a culture society that says, hey, I can't, really, I can't really achieve what I really want, so I'm just going to, this idealism that I'm just going to lower my expectations some. And the truth is, is that we're all looking for someone we will be happy with. Aren't you looking for somebody that, that will make you happy? There's, there's things in people that were like, well, what makes me happy? What's going to make me tick? And there's things that we really look for in somebody. Like, I'm going to look that they don't, they don't need me to change. They, they don't need me to change or, or they don't want to try and change me. Can I tell you if you're trying to change your other per, the other significant person, your spouse, like it, it, it never works, right? Don't try to change them. Uh, they've either got to look good or they've got to have money. If they don't have both, which is great, they got to either at least look good or have money, like one or the other. Like we, we, we go for both, but one or the other at least, Right. And if you're a Christian, if you follow Jesus, you have this fourth one that they've got to love Jesus too, right? And you're like, I'm looking for a unicorn. It doesn't exist. Like all those things like in this world today, like where they don't need to change me and they don't need to change and, and they have all this, the, the package, right? No, 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 no. It exists. You don't have to lower your expectations. And we go with this assumption that my relationship should make me happy. We go with the assumption that my relationship should make me happy. And we see it from an early age, right? We, we grow up watching fairy tales. Right? And at the end of the fairy tales, right, the prince meets the princess, everything's great, the glass slipper is finally found, and it fits, and they live what? Happily ever after. Can I tell you, if you're looking for happiness, do not get married. If you're looking for happiness, I mean, I'm happily married, baby. I love you. All right, we're good. We're good. But if you're looking for long-term happiness, do not get married. I mean, if you want happiness, go to Disney World, right? Go take a vacation. Go buy a car. Go buy some Bluebell ice cream and eat a whole carton of it. Like, like if you want happiness, go do something like that. Do not go and get married because happiness is not the point. We miss it. The happiness is not the point. It can happen, and I hope it does happen. But we place so much emphasis on happiness that it causes this unbearable pressure in our relationship, and it's almost like it's doomed to fail before it even begins. Because you're looking for this unicorn that I'm always going to be happy you're looking for roses and chocolate, but nobody told you that there would be some thorns along the way. And nobody told you that the chocolate is going to run out if you don't restock it, right? Like nobody told you those things. But the thing I love about the Bible is that it lays out this completely different paradigm shift. And if you're not a Christian here today, I want you to know that that you could, you could check out for a moment. Like, just check out. You don't, you don't even have to listen, but I would encourage you to lean in just for a moment. 
If you're, if you are a Christian, I want you to, you have an obligation to, to begin to love like God loves. And in Ephesians chapter five, Paul begins to lay it out for us, and he talks about how, how wives should, should love their husbands and how husbands should, should love their wives. But he starts out this chapter talking to everybody, absolutely everyone. Ephesians 5 verse 1 says, follow God's example. Everybody say follow. Follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is a different type of pursuit other than happiness. This, is, this word here, this Hebrew word here is taken from both testaments called hased. Hased. And it's often described or describes God's love and his commitment for his people. When we see this in this, this, this part of scripture, it is how talking about his love and his commitment for his people, despite one's reaction or how they might feel. Sometimes we place conditions on love. I'll love you if you love me back. I'll treat you okay if you treat me okay. And this is not what it's talking about. This hased type of love, it can mean mercy and love and kindness. This steadfast type of love and devotion. And this is what I think we're really looking for. If you're going to love well, you have to love like God does. This hased type of love. We, we see it in Exodus chapter 34. It says that the Lord passed before him. And proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in what? Steadfast love, abounding in hased and faithfulness, keeping, again, this steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. We see it, this this steadfast love, this committed love, no matter what happens to or from the other party that God is always pursuing after us. And, and we really see that there's two types of love as we have covenant love and we also have consumer love. You see, covenant love is, is where we put the relationship first. When we put the relationship, the needs of the relationship, the needs of the other person becomes first before our own personal needs. Our personal needs become seconds. And we say, hey, we're committed to this relationship. This is just not a piece of paper. It, it, it's a, it is a covenant. It's not just a contract, but this is something that God has ordained from the beginning. It's a relationship. It's a, it's a covenant type of love. And Paul is saying, I would love for us to love this way. If we had to choose, I would love for us to choose a covenant type of love. What if there was a community of people that loved this way? Well, what if there was a group of people in the greater Northwest Houston section and Cyprus and in and Katy and in Tomball, that, that Jersey village, I would say, you know what, what, man, what if we just loved like this, that the relationship came first and we put our personal needs second. 
It's illustrated over and over, time and time again in the Bible. One of the, one of the greatest places that it's illustrated is in Hosea. God tells Hosea, a prophet, he goes to tell him, he says, Hey, Hosea, go marry a prostitute. Say what? Like, I don't know about you, but that, uh, I'm rebuking the devil in that moment. Like, devil, that, get away from me, that is not of God. But no, that he goes to Hosea, and he says, go marry a prostitute. Go read it, Hosea, Old Testament, all right? Why? He tells him, so you know how I feel, that I keep pursuing my people. I have this Hased type of love, but my people keep cheating on me. That's pretty strong. That's pretty strong, but it picks up in chapter 11, Hosea 11. And it says, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. The more they were called, the more they were pursued, that, that they were trying to pursue the purpose, the more that they were, that I was trying to pour into them, the more that they went away from me. The more I revealed myself to them, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to Baals, these false gods, and burning offerings to idols. And I led them with cords of kindness and bands of love, and I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws. And I bent down to them and fed them. We see a picture of humility. God humbles himself. He bows down. He, has, he is being mistreated. He is pursuing his, his people, but they are abandoning him. They are leaving him. They don't want to have nothing to do with him, but he still finds himself in a state of humility and humbles himself and lowers himself to try and woo them back. My people are bent, though, on, on turning away from me. And though they call out to the Most High, he shall not raise them up at all. And you kind of you get a sense that God is done with them. I don't know about you, but if, if people were treating you like that, that, that you would be done with them. It would be natural to have that reaction and be like, I'm done with you. Like, and so you kind of think that, man, God is, God is done with, with the people of Israel here. But it says in verse 8, I love this, and the, picture this and capture this, the heart of God, that, that how can I give you up? Maybe we could say, God would say, how could I quit on you, O Ephraim? And how can I hand you over, O Israel? And it says at the end, my heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I mean, what is this? This is, this is Hased. This is not just the story of Israel. This is our story. This is not just a story we read about in the Bible. This is your story, and it's, it's my story. It's, it's the story of, of this Hased love that, that the children of Israel, how, how at one time their heart was turned to God, but, but life happened, and, and, and bills started to pile up, and, and, and hurts began to happen, and pains began to, to affect our hearts and our actions, and, and instead of running to God, we began to run to other things. Our heart 
began to grow cold and, and no longer was it about God, but it was about us. And in this picture in Hosea, this said love is, is God's commitment to us. This steadfast love that, that even though the children of Israel were, were turning their backs to him and, and, and basically being unfaithful to him, he was able to say, I still am pursuing after you. And today, I want you to know that this is God's love for you and for me, this covenant love, this covenant type of love. But we also have this battle going on with inside of us, this consumer love, because we live in a consumer culture where we put our personal needs in front of relationships and in front of our relationship needs, right? We, we, put, we put the contracts before the relationship and, 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 and no longer can we trust you on your word. We, we have to have 50 pages of, of, uh, of jargon that's drawn up from a, an attorney to, to, that nobody really understands, but, but we need to draw this up because we wanna make sure that, that we're not hosed. And if you try to hose us, we've got our personal needs ahead of the relationship relationship. We have this consumer type of love. And, and you know, and maybe it works for business some, but I, I fear that we are applying these principles to our own personal relationships. And maybe that's why marriages are struggling. And maybe that's why they're not working as much anymore. Because we have a consumer love where it's not about the other person as much as it is about us and how we feel. And in Ephesians, it says, follow God's example, right? Follow God's example and walk in the way of love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice. See, we've got to love from fulfillment, not for fulfillment. Love from being fulfilled, not loving for fulfillment. Because the truth is, is that you will never be fulfilled completely by the other person. There's nobody in your life that can fulfill your life like Jesus can. Come on, I forgot what church I'm at today. There's nobody else that will fulfill you like Jesus will. There's nobody, like your spouse, they're awesome. I'm sure they're great. They're probably the best thing since sliced bread. But let me just tell you that they can only fulfill your life so much. There is an emptiness on the inside of us that was only designed for Jesus to fill. And so we, once Jesus fills the emptiness, once we find fulfillment and our identity and who he is and who we are in him, then we can love from a place of fulfillment and we don't have to look for fulfillment from our spouse, from our significant other, from other people and from other things. No, now we run to Jesus instead of running to the other things that used to begin to try to fill us our joy, our happiness. You fill in the blank. And you walked in here today and you might say, that sounds great, but my marriage is a wreck. I wish that you would give me some tips. I wish that you would give me a list of things. Give me a, a, a one, two, three. But I want you to know that if I gave you a one, two, three type of thing, it, it would not fundamentally change you. 
Maybe it would change short-term behavior, but it would not change long-term behavior. You see, you don't need to change your spouse this morning. You may think you do. You may be even thinking, man, if my spouse, I hope my spouse is listening today. I really hope they are. And if you're saying that, this message is probably more for you than it is for them. You need to worry about changing you. And only Jesus can change you. Your spouse cannot change you. Jesus is the one who can change you. Maybe I should say this, you can't change your spouse. You can't change the ones you love. And if we would focus more on God changing us instead of God changing others and putting the relationship first instead of our own personal needs, man, how amazing would that be? In fact, if you want to radically change there are a few things that work like none other. If you want to change your relationship, if you want to change your, your friendships, if you want to have a more impactful marriage, there, there are three things. And, and, and in fact, if, if I give you a to-do list, I, I, I would give you these three, these three things. One, make church a priority. I'd expect to get many amens on that. But make church a priority. Like, make God's house a priority. Because what happens is, is we get in an environment that God's presence lives and dwells because not, just, not because God lives in a building, he doesn't. He lives on the inside of us. But we come together worshiping and expecting God to move and to speak to us. Make church a priority. Secondly, give your life to Jesus. Man, you want a better relationship? You want a better marriage? Man, start following after Jesus. And maybe you're here and, and you're not following Jesus. Man, I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. Let today be the day. Let today be the thing, the day where things change. And if I had to give you a third to-do list, it'd be join a group. Join a group. Groups start today. This semester, our spring semester of groups, they start today. And can I tell you that, that you were designed to live life with other people? What happens is, is that pains and struggles happen and we withdraw and we isolate ourselves because we feel like we're protecting ourselves. But the truth is, is when we isolate ourselves, we actually hurt ourselves more. Join a group. Begin to do life with other people. And I want you to know that, that you're not in a perfect church today. You're not in a perfect church. I, I promise you, I'm not the perfect pastor. I mean, I think I'm all right, but... <laughs> But, but I'm not perfect either. So, so when we say join a group, you're, you're walking into a group of people that don't have it all together. So that you should find some freedom in that. And when you're walking into a group, there's other people that they all know they're messed up. And they know when you walk in, there's something inside of you that's probably messed up too. 
And I want you to know it's okay. That's why we created this church. For messed up people. That's why you're here. <laughs> it's supposed to be funnier. It's funnier in my head. That we could do life together and we could go through our struggles and our, and our pains. And, and maybe you don't open up the first, the, first, the first time you get into the group. And I would say that's probably a good idea. It's cool. Just kind of feel the group out first. But begin to do life with people and people you can trust. And some of us have this belief in Jesus. But there's no flow from that belief. have a belief in Jesus, but there's no impact in our life. There's no fruit that's really coming from that. And maybe you've gone to church your whole life and it's never really impacted you. Never had a, maybe you never really had a, a, a personal experience. Maybe, maybe your experience of, of Jesus or religion or, or this relationship of, with Jesus is, it's been grandma's religion. It's, it's been grandma's experience. But can I tell you, lean in a little bit today. Lean into a group, lean into some other people. Because I think God puts us in situations that are difficult sometimes so that we can figure out that we really can't rely on anybody else but Him. We go through some things in life that remind us from time to time that says, you know what? My hope is not in somebody else, but my hope is in Jesus. And when we figure this out, our marriages are better, and our relationships now become an opportunity. Become an opportunity for God to do great things. There's this quote that says, what if God designed marriage, or in parentheses, I put the season you're in, to make us holy more than to make us happy? What if God designed marriage or the season you're in to make us holy more than to make us happy? And I, I think holiness has to be the goal, not happiness. I, I grew up and went, I've gone to churches before where, you know, it was kind of, you know, crammed down your throat. They'd be like, you know, if God, if God called you to be holy or happy, you got to choose being holy because happiness is not the byproduct. And he starts talking all this stuff. No, like, like, cool. Like God wants you to be happy, but he also wants you to be holy. And maybe the situation you're in, God's, God's just trying to draw a little bit more of holiness out of you. Maybe God's just wanting to, to, to draw you a little bit closer to him. Maybe God's saying, hey, there might be a little bit of a struggle right now. It's not, to, it's not to condemn you. It's not to make you feel bad. It's just to draw you in a little bit closer to him to experience this hased love, this steadfast love, this committed love. What if God puts you in this season you're in on purpose? What if you're in the season you're in on purpose? So you can learn this said kind of way. That's the opportunity that lies in front of you. That we would have learn this steadfast love. So today, make your marriage or your singleness the loudest gospel you ever preach. Let that be the gospel you preach. And as you change, it's just not for you. 
It's just not for your spouse. It's for the other people around you as well. It's for the people that see you at work on Monday. It's for the, it's for the people that you work with on Tuesday. It's for the family you go home to at night. It's for your kids that they would experience this said type of love so when they get to the age where they're standing up on an altar or a, a platform or they're standing up somewhere saying their I do's, they would already have experienced this type of love from you. And it starts today by meeting Jesus. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes today? It starts today by meeting Jesus. and Man, we want to give you an opportunity to do that today. That maybe, maybe people in life have not been very committed to you. Maybe people in life have, have set, set you aside. Maybe have discounted you. Maybe they've talked about you. And, and there's these hurts and pains. But, but can I tell you that Jesus has never given up on you? Maybe in moments you felt like giving up on him. I want you to know that he has never given up on you. And if we are to be givers of this love, we must also first receive this love. For we can't give what we have not first received. I want to give you that opportunity today. You say, Pastor Welby, I... I I want to give my life to Jesus today. I, I want to follow Jesus. I, 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 want, I want to experience this said kind of love. No one's talking or looking around, but we just want to say a prayer with you today. You say, that's me. Would you lift your hand? Would you lift your hand in this place right now? You say, that's me. Would you pray for me? Yeah. Would you pray for me? I want to follow Jesus today. Maybe you're far from God and you want to come back to him today. You say, would you say a prayer for me today? Anybody else in this place? You say, that's me. Just raise your hand. Yeah, I see your hand. Yeah, anybody else? Yeah. I want to experience this type of love. Yeah, would you say this all across this room, whether you raised your hand or not? Would you say this prayer? Say, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you're the son of God and you love me. I choose today to follow after you. Be my Lord and be my savior. Thank you for dying for me and raising again. Be the Lord of my life. Thank you for your steadfast love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Hope Rising podcast. Visit us online at myhoperising.co. Thanks again for listening. Have a wonderful week.